0: This is Optimal Startup Daily, episode 606, Five of the Most Popular Side Hustles and What to Do Instead, part two, by Nick Loper of SideHustleNation.com. And I'm Dan, and I am here every single day reading to you from some of the very best blogs on entrepreneurship. And today's actually a continuation episode from yesterday, so if you haven't checked out that one yet, if you are new here or maybe just skipping around a little bit, I'd recommend listening to that one first, that is episode 605. But if you have heard part one and you're all caught up, let's get right to the conclusion as we optimize your life. Five of the most popular side hustles and what to do instead, part two, by Nick Loper of SideHustleNation.com. Four, real estate. Real estate investing is one of the oldest side hustles out there and remains popular today. And I think that's for good reason. I mean, building a portfolio of houses and having other people pay them off is awesome. It can be a path to escape the rat race and build a serious nest egg. But real estate is also super easy to screw up. It's often expensive to get started and can be slow to diversify. Costly and unforeseen problems, like my friends who had to redo their foundation for $90,000, can eat up years' worth of your profit all at once. If you're dead set on the traditional model of buy-and-hold single-family rental properties, by all means, go for it. It can work, and probably works better the more homes you own. And if your local market is too expensive, you might check out a site like Roofstock to search income properties elsewhere. Plus, you can take advantage of leverage and certain tax benefits for property owners. You can read more about that in a link in this post. What to do instead. I've been burned a bit by that type of direct ownership, but I do see the value of real estate as an asset class, so I've added it to my portfolio in different ways. For example, I invest in real estate investment trusts, both traditionally traded REITs and eREITs like Fundrise. This allows me to earn passive income from a diversified portfolio of properties, and I've never had a tenant call in the middle of the night to say their hot water heater is leaking. Companies like Fundrise allow you to spread your risk around to a range of properties in multiple geographic locations with really low minimum investments. I'm talking $10 compared to the usual 20% down payment on a house. If you don't like the idea of tenants at all, you might consider the interesting raw land flipping model linked to in this post as well, which one guest dubbed the best passive income model. I also have a portion of my portfolio dedicated to short-term real estate-backed loans on ground floor, which lets you lend a minimum of $10 on pre-vetted fix-and-flip projects. The downside to all these is you trade many of the benefits real estate investors swear by leverage, tangible assets, and depreciation for being totally hands-off. So pick the path that aligns with your goals and do your due diligence. And 5. Network Marketing despite 99% plus failure rates, people are still drawn like flies to network marketing quote-unquote opportunities. You know, the kind of thing where that friend you haven't heard from in years suddenly wants to sell you essential oils, jewelry, pots and pans, or the latest magic pill. Now, I'm not saying that all direct sales companies are scams. I mean, the failure rates for other business models can be pretty high too. Heck, I've had my share. Why is network marketing such a popular side hustle? With the odds of success so low in network marketing, what's the attraction? What makes every new person who signs on think they'll be different? Well, I think there are a few reasons. These companies do an excellent job selling the dream. Work from home, be your own boss, promote a product you love, etc. It's a business in a box, which is appealing to not have to create something entirely from scratch. The commitment, barrier to entry, and startup costs are usually very low. What makes it hard to succeed? The biggest challenge with network marketing is just that, your network. Unless you have a systematic way to keep that network, that audience of buyers growing, you're dead in the water. And since most people who sign up for these aren't natural marketers or salespeople, that's a tough road. When you eventually tap out your audience of warm contacts, you stall out and give up. On top of that, you're only making a percentage of each sale and the product has to be marked up enough to share profit with your upline and the company itself. That can make commodity-type products more expensive and harder to sell. Many items are one-off purchases, which means you have no recurring income. You'll risk damaging relationships trying to pitch someone else's product. The demand may diminish for fad products. And you're married to a specific solution instead of addressing the larger problem. That last one comes from advice from Greg Hickman. Quote, fall in love with the problem, not the solution. End quote. What to do instead? So, what can you do instead of signing up for the latest MLM? I think there are a couple options. Licensing, franchising, or buying a business. First, if the business in a box or business with training wheels concept appeals to you, you might consider licensing or franchising. Yeah, your startup costs will be significantly higher, but your success rates will be higher as well. You can speak with other licensees or business owners who, unlike in network marketing, have no incentive to tell you how great it is, for example, Jordan Berry bought a pair of laundromats. He recommended resources like Biz Buy Sell and Franchise Direct to see what opportunities might be out there. I especially like the idea of buying a business that already has a proven track record. That reduces your risk significantly, since someone else has already done the hardest part, getting the thing off the ground. Side Hustle Show guest Cody Sanchez mentioned that the SBA has attractive financing options with as little as 10% down and she actually teaches a whole course on how to buy a small business the smart way. The typical purchase price is 2 to 4x annual earnings, but everything's negotiable. Johnny Robinson was able to expand his window cleaning business with the creative acquisition of a competitor who was retiring. The deal they worked out was just $1,000 down and a percentage of the future work he booked from the seller's roster of clients. Sell shovels into the gold rush. The other idea to consider is that many network marketing companies tap into the gold rush mentality. They focus on fads or trending topics like CBD oil or the latest anti-aging products. And as a student of history, you know that the best gold rush entrepreneurs weren't the ones mining for gold. They were the ones selling the shovels. When you see a hot MLM that everyone is talking about, what proverbial shovels could you sell into that gold rush? This is an older example, but another friend of mine Did just that when she started an e commerce business in the essential oil space. The oil collection sells diffuser necklaces and leather bracelets to essential oil customers. In her first seven months, she did over 100K in sales. You just listened to part two of the post titled Five of the Most Popular Side Hustles and What to Do Instead by Nick Loper of SideHustleNation.com. When it comes to hiring, And thanks again to Nick. Uh, I told you a bit about him yesterday, but a reminder, he is the host of the podcast, The Side Hustle Show, which he mentioned in this post. It's designed for part-time entrepreneurs looking for actionable tips to start or improve their businesses. And it is a great podcast, one you should check out. It's usually in the top charts of business in Apple Podcasts. And of course, the blog is great too. And you can find it all at sidehustlenation.com. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. I thank you so much for being a subscriber to the show and uh, hope you're back with me tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.